Hello, Internet friends, and welcome to another episode of Runner Time. I'm Richard Lutz, and it is my goal to discuss some of the decisions and difficulties that go into some of the biggest TV shows, movies, and commercials in the world. On this episode of Runner Time, we have a really good friend of mine, Mark Giles. Mark made the move to Los Angeles last year in the summer, and he's now working in the VR realm, cinematography, and color. And I really enjoyed this conversation because Mark gave a lot of insight about the future. We get super meta on this episode and we talk about how VR very well could be the future of entertainment. I have experienced VR and it is easily one of the most immersive platforms that I have ever experienced. There's nothing like it out there in the world and it's it's very impressive. So it was exciting to hear Mark's thoughts and opinions of where this is all headed. Hello, Richard. We're doing this thing, finally. Yeah, thanks. Anyways, uh... Thanks for having me on, finally. It's... I needed to do something with my day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, like, we've known each other for a little bit of time now, and you started in Seattle. You were working at... uh, I almost said Sensoria, but you freelance for them. Yeah, sure. Orange LV. Shot for them. So... Worked for Orange. So why LA? Uh, LA just is the the center of the universe for what we do. It's uh, where like-minded individuals can come and collaborate. Uh, I've I've lived in a variety of cities and I've visited a lot of cities. And uh, in every city you go to and and uh, enjoy, it's really important to kind of dial into the uh, sort of energy of that city and the conversations happening inside of that city. And I think now more than ever, we're very mobile. We're capable of migrating to regions and uh, spaces that we find ourselves more in tune with. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that, you know, for what I'm looking to do, LA is that place where people are functioning at that same level, on that same energy, and uh, trying to accomplish similar things to what I'm trying to accomplish. So in terms of collaborating, which film is very collaborative, uh, I, th- I think that uh, this is the place to be. Absolutely. I mean, I was also in the Pacific Northwest for a number of years, and I, mm-hmm. I remember at times I was just beating my head against the wall, just not being able to get, find the opportunities that I, that I necessarily wanted to find. It, it, it was very frustrating. I was just like, where are all the cool, funky people? And what I mean by that, and I'm stealing lines from a ski movie from the 80s, but what I mean by that is you're just like trying to find production work in the Pacific Northwest if you're trying to go the independent freelance commercial feature route is non-existent. I mean, you can make a living working in TV news up there, but who wants, who wants to yeah. work in TV news? Sure. I mean, there's, uh, there's so many great people up there as well. Uh, you know the quality of people isn't necessarily why I moved. It's mostly uh, the the opportunities that draw the people I'm looking to collaborate with, and those opportunities don't exist uh, to the same degree in Seattle. What are those opportunities? Um, paying opportunities, just work that uh, work that will reciprocate, um, you know, monetary value. I really wrestle with money and why I should care about money, but that's really what it comes down to on some basic level is 
who will pay you for what you are skilled at doing? And I think that 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 question's answer is demographically uh, related. I I think you're right because it's like being in the Northwest, like people care about a couple things, craft beer, coding, and Starbucks. Yeah, it's very tech heavy. Um, You can make... You can make money if you're in the tech industry, and I, I did marketing for a tech company, and uh, there's a lot of opportunities there, but in terms of creating new types of multimedia-based art or uh, even just experiences for brands and uh, commercial work, it just isn't really there. Absolutely. I mean, I think the problem with the Northwest, and don't get me wrong, like, I absolutely love the Northwest. The problem though is it's like, there's just, it's pretty corporate and just the, the field of production capabilities is kind of, it's, there's good work happening there. I mean, there's some decent directors up there that are making a living and doing great, but the problem is trying to get in with those crews because it, it's such a small community of uh, filmmakers that in a lot of circumstances, I feel like it's, uh, you're either in the cool crowd or you're not. Sure. And it's, I'm not trying to dog on Seattle. Yeah. But after working there for two years, it's just like you, at some point you're like, screw it, I'm moving to Los Angeles. Well, I feel that our craft is very saturated uh, as it is in terms of people recognizing that they're, that they can sort of pick up a camera or, um, and, and just tell a story that, it's so easy to do that a lot of people do it and pursue it and we're kind of getting to this point at least i feel where there is uh, a lot of people able to do the job like most people can do the job and so it comes down to whether or not you're someone that people want to work with and I mean, this has always been a people-driven industry. It's much like sales. You're out there selling yourself. You're selling your capabilities. You're selling your attitude. Uh, and I think that it just is even harder in Seattle because there's so little work and you have all of these high-quality people, artists and technically-minded individuals who are capable of doing the work that it does become a bit of a popularity contest um, beyond just who do you know and what does your network look like and uh, and so the way around that is to move to a market with more work Mm -hmm. and I think like what's also interesting about that right now is like we've seen we've seen just a massive explosion of just content I mean look at the youtubers of the internet who sit in front of their web camera and talk about makeup and they have a hundred thousand subscribers and I'm like what right but that's a different that's a different skill set uh, almost to me uh, my skill set is one of uh, technical aspirations it's rooted in the fundamentals of cinematography and understanding light and color and exposure and uh, and all of these very you know historically technical choices that are now being commoditized into creative decisions that uh, you know these these new this new wave of stars is really 
writing because they understand that you know you no longer need the technical expertise to do this craft and mm-hmm. and that points to the the broader democratization of of what we're seeing and experiencing and this total saturation of people who can do our jobs and that really puts a lot of pressure on us to find ways of being differentiated and of you know separating ourselves from a lot of or separating ourselves from the herd in in some aspects you know what is it that makes you special and that you can do better than anyone else can do Mm -hmm. Uh, beyond just being able to do your job and having that good attitude having you know a decent following online having all of these other things that are just expected of you what is it that also sets you apart that makes you different so what have you been doing recently to try and build up that that well so what you're really trying to say is you don't necessarily have to be better than people you have to be different it's a differentiation at this point i think i think we're starting to see the emergence of that especially as we reach the convergence of sort of digital mediums Um, once things are digital it a lot of the physical artificial barriers that used to exist sort of fall away and you reach the singularity point where you know you are putting video inside of a game engine and making it interactive and uh, you're starting to see augmented reality and virtual reality really uh, representing that convergence and I, I do believe that sort of going forward that mixed reality is going to be kind of where we live and play. And so I think early on you can be differentiated by exploring the nuances of how you can tell stories inside of these new spaces. Because a lot of people know that it's going to be powerful, impactful, and and pervasive and relevant uh, for the next decade or so, but nobody really knows why or how or what that's going to look like. So with that in mind, um, you're really talking about the growth of virtual reality and, and I mean... Sure, virtual reality is definitely an aspect of it, an avenue of it, but what's interesting to me more so is kind of the next layer of uh, experiences Right, like to me, going and seeing a film in a movie theater is uh, that's that's what our reality has looked like for quite a while, and I like it. I like that it's this uh, that there's a physicality to it, where you know you're sitting in a theater with other human beings digesting or decoding this film that uh, was created with intent. It was encoded intentionally for you to sit there and decode it in a certain way, in a certain setting. And historically, that was in a very dark theater space with other people hopefully being quiet and the volume turned up to 11 and you take it all in. And you, you know, we call it the suture or the suspension of disbelief, whatever your vocabulary might be, but it's all talking about the same thing this um, this replacement of whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, whatever your reality looks like, replace it for a second with the reality of this film and through that lens, learn more about your own reality. And I think virtual reality represents a new exciting avenue in that it 
is again a dark space right you can't see anything besides the screen directly in front of your eyes um and so it has some of the same effects of like the movie theater experience but it's also got some new hurdles like the isolation of uh not sharing it with the other human beings who might be immediately beside you they just get to watch you inside of this headset or see on a screen what it is that you're doing so it's kind of isolating there's also a lot of stigma around sharing this headset you know your forehead oils coming into contact with the headset and then you're handing it off to the next person you don't know what type of random germs might be on this thing so it introduces new problems uh, but what it represents is sort of a shift into a digital layer or experiencing things in a digital way instead of a physical way and i believe that sort of the 2.0 of video experiences happen inside of that realm they happen inside of a digital space where there aren't the same rules as there are to uh, the, the physical space. And again, I'm talking about how you decode it and experience it, not necessarily the creation itself, because that's been happening in a digital space, um, but, but just more how do you decode it? And we know that with a virtual reality headset, people decode the messaging differently. They, it's more intimate, it's more empathetic, uh, it, it has, stronger ties to to your brain and your mentality because even more so than a film you have transplanted someone into a different reality it's funny because like you bring all those things up and it's like i've experienced vr and i mean i experienced a little bit of it at the mill and it's funny because there was this thing called on the mill did called atap help i put it on and there was this cable cam shot cable cam shot made me sick i knew i was standing in one place yet i was flying through the air it really messed with my mm -hmm. brain i was just i was like well gotta hold on for a <laughs> sec we i'm gonna be turning green but what was interesting i think that and that was the first time i really experienced it in any sort of weight the other time was a demo that you showed me that oculus put out and what was interesting about that was uh it was, I mean, to your point, it was like one of the most immersive experiences I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It was something that was unlike um, film. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was interesting. And it's going to be really interesting to see where all this is headed because in many circumstances, I think the jury's still out. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, advertising is playing with it and, and so is porn. And, Traditionally, those are the first two adoptions of technology, mm -hmm. but the real question at play is not just um, the technology, because the technology is obviously maturing, and it will, but more or less the distri distribution of said technology of like headsets, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm curious of where all that is headed in terms of the implementation of the technology and people jumping on board. Well... Facebook made a large move when they purchased Oculus Rift, and since doing that, they have uh, put out a reference design for a 360-degree video capture camera that you can build. I believe it uses something like 17 
point gray cameras, just off the shelf cameras. Uh, they include the design specifications that you can take to any machine shop and have the metal enclosure uh, crafted for you. They include the uh, the software backend that's going to handle the stitching. They've tried to tackle uh, three-dimensional audio and how to encode that. And then they give you a way to distribute it through Facebook. You know, there's now a full 360 degree platform built into Facebook. So things can just start showing up in your Facebook feed in 360 degrees. So that solves, you know, sort of one end of it of what does 360 video look like and how do we get 360 degree video to people. Now, 360 degree video is not virtual reality. It does not necessarily require a headset. With 360 degree video, you can be just holding your phone in front of you, panning around and looking at the 360 degree world as captured. Uh, then to take it a step further, to take it into virtual reality, that's where I think, um, yeah, you can just put on a headset and you can view video in virtual reality. But honestly, that's not very compelling to me. 360 degree video on its own isn't very compelling to me. I don't think that is the, the next uh, sort of experience that we're looking for. I think that that's just a, a neat parlor trick but it's also just kind of a stepping stone. Um, it's it's always really cool when people see 360 degree video for the first time. They love to like pan around and look at it. But ultimately, you're not decoding anything better for it. You're not being pulled into it. You're not you're not really benefiting from it other than it just being a cool thing. So I think you have to really start to ask yourself if there are all these new barriers to entry right in terms of capture stitching uh cloning out the camera paying attention to the shadow everyone hiding not being able to light everything if you're going to introduce all of these new production problems you have to really give the audience something on the back end right if you're asking them to put on a headset and go into virtual reality what are you providing to them for their you know commitment to do that and that's where i think 360 video is a starting point but take that 360 degree video put it into unity put it into a game engine of some kind uh, and there you're going to be able to start to do new things and create new experiences uh, you're going to be able to introduce 3D objects and move them around in 3D space directly in front of your viewer's eye, kind of like going to see a 3D movie. You're going to be able to uh, play with sound and lighting and particle effects to get them to look where you want them to look. You're going to be able to track their gaze and trigger new events or Easter eggs based on where they're looking or uh, you know how long they're looking at things. And I think that that type of interactivity, even if the audience, even if the viewer is just sort of passively watching, I think that they will be able to make small decisions that drive the narrative in different directions or at a minimum offer more replayability. Uh, you know, if you think about it in terms of a video game, like what is going to get you to come back and replay that video game? 
historically films, they have a, a lot of rewatchability if, they, if they're able to encode uh, really deep meaning that you have to revisit several times throughout your life to kind of glean the insight as your life uh, changes, as you grow, as you become a more mature individual. Uh, or they, they hide Easter eggs throughout, you know, they, maybe the, the stack of books on the shelf in the background has a little secret, or maybe there's a poster on the wall that alludes to something. Um, and I think that the same could be said for virtual reality on a much deeper level and a much, uh, there's going to be a lot tighter integration there in terms of the audience and the creator and the feedback loop that begins to happen as people explore this more and see what people sort of take to. I think, I think that's more telling of this, um, this 2.0 of, of video and film is, is the, the feedback loop that exists once the interactive element is in place. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because we are truly at the, the forefront of this technology and just people, a lot of people even here in LA are like confused by it. like their, their skepticism because they think it could be the next 3D or laser disc right. and go belly up immediately. I mean, there is the potential for it to be one of those things of just a flash in the pan and gone, but at the same time, it could be the next big thing. And the jury, in some cases, is still out, but it seems, at least in Los Angeles, I think the bigger um, barometer is the rest of the country and world to see how they're warming up to the concept of VR. So it's going to be interesting to see where all this leads to in the next 10, 15 years. Absolutely. I mean, the LA is always incentivized to uh, have new things to sell to the, the wider public, right? So if I can get you hooked on 3D films, I can now charge you a premium to go see a 3D film in a theater uh, because I can tack on the fees associated with the glasses um, and I can, I can upsell you, essentially. So I think that the industry as a whole, you know, in any sector is looking for ways to upsell the the people that you know the, their customers they're always looking for that and virtual reality to me this latest big push which is at least the third re resurgence of virtual reality and who knows if this will be sort of the last resurgence and it sticks or if we've got you know, two more to come. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, I think in some cases it comes and goes in phases, like three D. Well, I'm saying historically, virtual reality has already come and gone and come and gone, and now it's come again. I mean, I think it will always be here in some way, shape, or form. Be that in like the science fiction collective that is our imaginations of living in the matrix. Because that's where it is all headed to a certain degree. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how we move forward knowing this technology exists and the storytelling opportunities. Well, that's where, as, a, as I was saying, like you really have to give the audience something in return, right? So if you're going to plug me into the Matrix, that's fine, but you have to deliver a reality that is, you know... De depending on how you read that story, you need to offer me a reality that's better than the reality that exists outside of the Matrix. Um, in 
spoilers in that story, the reality is pretty bleak. The humans have to live underground. The robots control everything, right? So in that reality... Thanks for the spoiler, <laughs> The reality of the Matrix is far superior uh, to a narrow-minded human perspective living inside the Matrix, right? It, waking up means you... You now get to eat gruel and live on a tiny little spaceship and you're like forced underground. That's not a great reality. Um, so a lot of, I think in the future, a lot of people will prefer to live in the virtual reality, to live in the matrix. To I think we will be able to offer people a compelling substitute to their reality. And as, uh, as resource scarcity goes up, as population goes up, as we deal with a lot of other problems, you know, like rent and grocery costs. I think offering people sort of a virtual reality that could be a subsidized cost of living uh, could get really appealing. And I think you're right because it's like, I don't know how much he's, I probably pay a lot more attention to him than you do, but Gary Vaynerchuk's been talking about the same thing about, he said on several occasions that within the next 20 years, we won't be able to discern the difference between this world that we're currently living in and a VR, AR world. And our generation, when we have kids and they're 20 something years old or they're 10 or whatever that, they're teenagers, let's say, we're gonna be so concerned about them just going to their rooms and putting these goggles on and escaping into this world because we won't understand the technology like they will. Right. Where I see us heading is, uh, I, I do agree with that sentiment that in the next 10 to 20 years, we will not be able to distinguish uh, this reality from a virtual reality. And that's why I believe that once you're able to, to make that leap, once you're able to understand that, uh, it's a strong case for the fact that we are already inside of a simulation and uh, likely have already been living in some sort of virtual reality. And within that virtual reality, we have now created a new virtual reality. And it's always really easy to go down these layers, right? Like deeper layers of reality, but we're never really able to sort of again, to quote the matrix, wake up or go up a level of reality. So we don't really know number one, if this reality is virtual or not, if we are real, uh, or and, and beyond that, we have no idea of how we could wake ourselves up. Now that said, I also believe that in about 30 years, we will have kind of reached the end of what there is to know. Once we've got artificial intelligence and quantum computing, we'll sort of either unravel the simulation and understand the universe for what it is, or we'll kind of unlock a deeper level maybe. Or maybe there will be the second coming of Christ and we'll all go up to heaven. Who knows? We're, we're getting meta. Right. We're, so, going, we're going there. So it's really hard to predict what that's going to look like. And I think that that's a collective human decision uh, we need to sort of discuss and, and figure out. But to bring it back to where we are today, uh, us as creators who are exploring this space, we need to be doing so with intentionality and really sort of honing in on what it is we're trying to push, what the experience is going to 
be and feel like because if we don't design it the right way the public isn't going to appreciate it or care uh if we if we do design it the right way though it has the the power to to really revolutionize all storytelling and again it'll be a convergence it'll be video games and video it'll be all of it sort of mixed together and and right now it's really hard to to see what that looks like but it'll sort of become more apparent the further we go down this so what are those next steps because it's i mean there's people are debating if it's here and it's mm-hmm. um i was talking to my buddy Sutter who works at the mill and he's done a lot of producing for vr his only complaint is like the head turning motion and how like his neck gets tired but that is a minor grievance mm-hmm. um in the grand scheme of things in my mind I guess like what's what I'm curious about is like what are those next steps to make not just content but how do we make middle America, Kansas, Oklahoma, Iowa believe that VR is something that is not a temporary idea but a permanent idea if that makes sense. Because what? if you can capture middle America, you've won in many ways. <laughs> Just look at Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if there's Trump supporters. I'm trying to make it. I think we all have to sort of do our part. I, I think it's really important for us on the forefront to be uh, good ambassadors of technology, right? Being, being the ones who show people that it's not scary, that it's not hard, that uh, it's actually interesting and fun and emotional. And uh, so part of it is just being a good ambassador, right? When you go home, visit with your family, bring a headset along, stick it on your dad, stick it on your mom, say, hey, what do you think of this? Look around, check it out. What do you, you know, if nothing else, most people at least think it's cool and intriguing. And I think that's a good first step. And I think that Google has done a huge service by uh, distributing cardboard. That was kind of a watershed moment uh, to me because it... It democratized it, it gave it to everyone. Virtual reality is very cost prohibitive to get into at scale, right? To be able to run a GTX 970 or higher, uh, to drive an Oculus Rift or an HTC Vive. Those those are expensive rigs, expensive computers, expensive headsets. Uh, It's all very, very expensive. And if you're a creator, I think that that's where you need to be. But if you're a, a consumer, uh, then Facebook and YouTube is where you need to be. And you know, virtual reality as it is today could not have existed if the smartphone hadn't happened first, just in terms of the development of hardware that needed to happen. And by billions of people on the planet throwing their money into cell phones year after year after year, we reap the, all these unintended side effects and one of which is we finally have really good virtual reality and now that we have really good virtual reality that can just run on on your phone that you put into a headset i think that was kind of the last piece of the puzzle for middle america to at least be enticed and now to seal the deal we have to start creating those experiences those stories uh, the games, whatever they might be, uh, to get to get the public hooked. Um, so right now, it's all been fueled by game development and 
um, all these sort of other industries, but it hasn't had that one title that just breaks it out of that uh, demographic to a wider audience. And I think everybody's still looking for that. Everybody's investing money, hoping that they're the one to hit on that. Um, but I, I think it's as creators, it's most important to just start experimenting with it, experimenting with shooting 360 video, with stitching it, with bringing it into a game engine and then developing for it. Um, it's really easy to get up and running now on Unity to just be able to bring your stuff in and start playing with it and then publishing it to the App Store or to Steam and start distributing it as an app rather than just as a 360 video. So I, to me, 360 video is really kind of a, a, a red herring. It's just, it's not the end game. It's just, a, it's one part of it and people need to go deeper. They need to push further. A, a 360 video that lives on Google Cardboard, that's just not enough. That's never going to make VR stick. You, there's got to be more to the equation. There's got to be more to the experience to get the public to care. So, say I may... I mean, you're talking about adoption and you're talking about creative. Um, I think you are correct in the sense that adoption is starting to happen. I mean, my dad... I think you've shared it multiple times now. Mm -hmm. Video of the Blue Angels, and you can pan around on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I think it was by USA Today. It's actually a pretty cool video because it shows them just like inches, mm -hmm. literally inches apart. And don't fuck up there. Yeah, it's cool to be able to scroll around on. But the bigger question is like, Sam, the creator, and uh, I'm interested. There is a lot to this thing. Like there, are, like all creative challenges and difficulties. Where do I begin? To put it simply. Well, it starts with image acquisition, or if you're not trying to shoot 360 video, it starts with straight development. I mean, all you're doing is saying instead of the camera having one narrow viewpoint, it sees everything. And that can happen either in this reality through uh, some sort of camera rig or ultra wide angle camera lenses, um, or it happens inside of a video game engine, right? Because you're always placing a camera, you know, think After Effects, you're placing a camera somewhere in your scene and it has a viewport that it sees. So you just have to imagine that that's what you see when you're looking, but you could look any direction. You could pan that camera any direction. So whether you're shooting video or developing, you know, three 3D objects, it it's not really that different, just the camera sees everything. So in terms of image acquisition, you're going to need to get some sort of camera rig or ultra wide angle lensing. And then you're going to figure out how to stitch uh, those camera angles into a piece of 360 degree video footage that could then either go live on Facebook or on YouTube. Uh, but Again, to me, that's not where it stops. To me, the next step then is to bring that into a video game engine and uh, st just start to tinker with it, start to play with it, start to see what types of events you can trigger, what types of, um, what types of new t ways you can communicate your story to people. 
And I firmly believe that you can only do that through experimentation yourself, through tinkering. You know, it's like the artist with his paintbrush uh, doing studies. You want to learn how to paint a hand very, very well. Then you're going to draw hands over and over in a thousand different ways until you have completed the study of how to draw a hand. And to me right now, VR is in that same phase where any artist or creative looking to start doing VR needs to first go through the exercise of the study and learning it inside and out, learning what types of things uh, you should shoot, what types of things you should not shoot. And then beyond that, what types of uh, new things can you do in, in terms of interactivity that's because it's inherently interactive just by way of the ability for the audience to pan the camera. That right there is interactivity. Even if they're completely passive and all they do is move their head around the scene, they have interacted with your work. And, and that is the most important aspect of it to me is pushing that further. Okay, so maybe they can pan the camera and tilt the camera, but what else can they do? Can they trigger the camera to move? Can they trigger events in the scene to come at the camera or go away from the camera? Uh, and that's a whole new realm that has not previously been accessible because video has been such a passive thing. You know, you can actively decode the message, right? If you're engaged, if you're learning, um, even if you're just passively watching on, on some level, you're still actively engaged. But what I mean is that you don't influence it at all. You have no bearing over it. You have a screen and you look at the screen and you are fed through the screen. And for the first time with 360 video, we're saying, no, you can actually move the camera around now. And to me, that's extremely liberating because it encourages audience participation. And that's why it has to be explored thoughtfully uh, because that that's a new realm that hasn't existed before. Yeah, that's it's a uh, it, it's hard for me to like wrap my head around it because I'm so used to just like YouTube play. I say right. your sixteen watch. by nine box. It's a weird like putting myself in a situation where I'm being immersed in a new technology like VR is for the lack of a better word daunting mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people are, are I think a lot of people are scared by it to a certain degree where why they and they, they shouldn't be it just it, it like it's like all things it is unknown to them just mm -hmm. as much as 3d video was unknown to people at the 50s once they experienced it it was it was a different experience and a lot of people enjoyed it and I think the difference with VR versus 3d is VRs get is something completely different from 3D. 3D was just a different acquisition structure and a different way of viewing things that we've already known. I think VR has a lot more opportunity to surprise and delight people in new and unexpected ways. But mm -hmm. say I'm a, uh, I'm in, I'll just go back to Kansas again. Say I'm in Kansas and I'm, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a high school or college kid and I keep hearing about VR and how it can be the next big thing just like how digital filmmaking was with the Reds, Aries and mm -hmm. um, these digital formats that we have now 
where would you say they begin? Not just in terms of consuming content. It's like, yeah, I'm, it's not just consuming content, but just playing with it. And let's, yeah. let's think about consuming. What pieces of work would you suggest that they look at? Uh, for consumption? I've been the most impressed with video games right now. Um, that's, that's probably not a great answer, but in, just in, sh in terms of trying to understand what this space represents, I think video games are getting it right right out of the gate because video games have always encouraged that you are in the universe, you are there to participate. Uh, so I, I mean, the way I got in, the way I started was just by downloading everything for free on the Oculus store and the Steam store that I could and just going through all of the free games, experiences and demos. Because to me that, that kind of shows you what, what this, is capable of um, and in, in terms of getting started with creation I think one of the most important tools in your arsenal is going to be your computer so you're going to need a computer that can drive a proper headset if you really want to get into creation I think you need to be on a proper headset and that's either the oculus rift or the HTC Vive as of right now I'm sure we're gonna see a lot more competitors enter the market but if you want to be creating, I do think you need to be on one of those headsets tethered to a computer so that you can, so that you reduce your workflow time between uh, iteration cycles, right? Between making a change and actually playing that change back. The, it's far too cumbersome to be trying to develop or uh, create in virtual reality and then be you know, transcoding, compressing, uploading to YouTube all so that you can view it on your phone. Um, unless, you could do, unless you get a VR player for your phone, but I've had mixed results with those. I think if you truly wanna be working in this space, you need to have a proper headset and you need to have a computer that can drive it, which at a minimum is one of these new gaming laptops, uh, or if you've already got a desktop, Anything that'll run a GTX 970 or higher. Uh, the, all, all these new laptops are coming out that have GTX 1060 chips in them. And I really feel like this current marketing blitz around virtual reality is just sort of a, a design to get people to buy a new NVIDIA GPUs. That's sure what it feels like because it's all wrapped up together. Like buy an NVIDIA GTX whatever and you know, you'll be VR ready. It's all, it's all designed to push new silicon, um, as well as the headsets, as well as the experiences. Um, so I would say that's kind of the minimum, would be a gaming laptop and uh, either a HTC Vive or an Oculus Rift. And then just start going to town with all the free titles in Steam and in uh, the Oculus marketplace. And then beyond that, there are interesting and compelling uh, videos out there, but they're hard to find from what I've found. Um, in terms of distribution, they're not, like the, the stuff that does well at uh, like the film festivals that have recently started doing VR, it's hard to find that stuff online. Um, and there's no, there's no like iTunes for VR content yet that I've really seen. Maybe I'm missing something, but... Um, no no place where you can go purchase premium video content yet. It's just kind of whatever's on YouTube or 
Facebook or one of the several other platforms. But we shall see. Um, I think it sounds like it's really on content creators right now. I, I think it is. I think it's wholly on content creators to prove that it's not just for video gaming, to prove that it is for storytelling and for video. That's interesting. I was gonna say I was about to say gaming too, but it no, sounds, it sounds like you got it. Yeah, it sounds like you want it to go beyond gaming. It needs point. to go beyond gaming. Game. I mean, gaming is the fuel for the fire, right? That these again, Nvidia stands to make a ton of money off of this. Who's gonna pay for it? the gaming industry and and as we see like playstation push into vr microsoft should be pushing into vr beyond their partnership with oculus um and then hopefully apple has something in the works but as of right now apple is dead in the water when it comes to vr you can't do anything unless you're on an oculus dev kit too and if you're going to enter the arena today, why would you be on a dev kit too? You want to be on a CV1 or consumer version 1. So it, to me, Apple is has completely stalled out when it comes to VR. Fantastic. Um, final thoughts. I mean, you've talked a lot about VR. How would you summarize all this in a sound biteable thing? I know that's a lot, but how would you wrap this up in a bow? Well, uh, I just think it represents an exciting new opportunity across uh, a lot of different disciplines. You know, I, I do cinematography, but I'm also a digital imaging technician. I do color work. I do um, some very, I do some stitching. It, it touches all of these different um, aspects of being a filmmaker. Uh, and it's and it's in the very technical sense of the word, um, and and to me that's what cinematography and this craft has always been is sort of historically it's always been pushing the pushing what you can do with technology to sort of delight audiences and show them things that they haven't seen before, and VR embodies this more so than anything I've ever seen. So it sounds like VR is the thing you're most excited about right now. It absolutely is. I mean, I love traditional film, and I, I don't think that that's going anywhere. I don't think that uh, all video transitions to virtual reality or anything like that. I just think that right now it's the most exciting, and it's the opportunity to have the biggest impact, and it touches the widest array of my interests because you know even as a filmmaker i believe that the future is in development is in programming and is in being able to make your experiences more interactive and and go deeper you know because that's at the end of the day that's all it is we encode a message and audiences decode it and the deeper you can take that decoding process i think the the stronger the bond you create with the audience and and it creates a really interesting um, ecosystem and a really interesting uh, new new media for digesting in sort of the collective zeitgeist. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming on, dude. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, always. 
Well, that wraps up this episode of Runtime. Big thanks to Mark for coming on the show. I found it very, very insightful of the future, and I, I hope you did too. I hope it provided you some value of why we need to start considering these things now. It very well could be the dawn of a new era, almost like how digital cinema cameras changed everything and how we moved away from film. If you have thoughts or opinions of the show, leave them on iTunes, leave a comment there or on Stitcher, leave your thoughts and opinions. I know that I would really value it because it would give me some ideas of how I can make this show better. I would also love it if you guys rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Love to hear that the show is giving you some great insights and ideas of how we can move forward as media professionals. And as always, create, share, and sustain the life you want. Get out there and make some awesome work, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks.